And a warm welcome to Monday's programme. How are you doing this Monday? Good to be with you. Hope you've had a good weekend. It's October 11th, 2021. The first programme of the week begins now. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Ah, it's good to be with you, to be with you. Good, thanks for finding me again this Monday. If you'd like to talk to me, you can do so through the website richieallen.co.uk. I think you're aware of that. It's comment live. I'll be reading the comments out as I go along. Very interesting programme for you, I think, today. Last week, we had a phone-in programme. At the very end of it, Wendy phoned in and mentioned, claimed that she was a targeted person. This is a subject I haven't discussed for some time on The Richie Allen Show, so I thought I would get back into it again, and I would invite onto the programme somebody who I haven't heard from in some years. Dr. Catherine Horton, PhD, will be live on the programme from the US. She came on this programme back in 2016. I was the first place. uh, This was the first place she was heard. She got in touch with this about being targeted and gang stalking. She's an Oxford-educated particle physicist with a Master of Physics and a Doctorate in Particle Physics, both from the University of Oxford. She believes that she was gang stalked and harassed using direct energy weaponry. That began back in 2011. She talked at length about that to you and me on the show back in 2016 and a couple of other times after that. I decided I'd invite her on to talk in general about this issue. What is it? What's targeting people all about? Catherine Horton, extended conversation this Monday with your BBG. How are you doing? Are you well? Asher, I'm all right. Fair to Midland. No, it's good. It's good. It's Monday. It's been a lovely day, in fact, here in the Northwest. It's been lovely. It's been lovely up here. Lovely. It's been absolutely lovely. One of those days you think, ah, I wish I was off. But you can't be off. Tyranny in Australia. It's terrible when you look at news footage and news clips and you see young people excited, all excited and delighted, or Exira and Delira, as we would say back home, about getting into cafes, about getting a haircut, about going to the cinema. Why are they so excited in Sydney? Well, because from today, if you're double jabbed, you get privileges. You get to participate in society in Sydney if you're double jabbed. They queued for pubs and shops that opened at midnight. Midnight on Monday. Yes, midnight on Monday. Yes, that's right. Minute past 12. Sunday night, Monday morning. They've been enjoying themselves, the the jabbed. Wow. It's dreadful, isn't it? So Sydney exited lockdown after the New South Wales state reached a 70% double dose vaccination target for over 16s. That's right. They were coerced, they were blackmailed in Sydney to being into being jabbed. They were told, if you get jabbed, and if enough of you get jabbed, we'll allow the jabbed to enter the cafes and, and the pubs and the rest of it. So most restrictions in Sydney now eased for fully vaccinated or fully jabbed people. Dreadful. They can have meals together and they can visit the gyms. They can go to libraries if they want. They can swim in the pool so long as you can prove you were double jabbed. No negative test. That's not good enough. Got to be jabbed. Massive queues for barbers and nail salons today, Monday, in Sydney. In Sydney. Lovely, lovely. Not good, is it? 
No, no, and in Wales, of course, in Wales, in closer to home in Wales, uh, people in Wales will now need an, an NHS COVID pass to be able to legally attend, legally attend, big events or nightclubs. They are compulsory for over 18s. And the COVID pass will show that you've either tested negative for COVID using a lateral flow test or that you are fully jammed. So Wales have a big game against New Zealand in the rugby union, the Autumn Internationals, on October 30th, which is what, two weeks away? <coughs> excuse me, two and a half weeks away, excuse me. To get into that, you'll need a COVID pass to go to a big rugby stadium, a big wide open stadium in the open air. You'll need to prove that you've either tested negative or that you've been jabbed. The First Minister of Wales, Mark Drakeford, an insufferable gobsheen, uh, he said the new scheme is vulnerable to abuse, but that the huge bulk of people will follow the new rules. By vulnerable to abuse, he meant that some people would, would fake their lateral flow test result. However, they could do that. Now, Vaughan Gething, awful guy. He's currently the Wales Economy Minister. He was the Health Minister. He's the Economy Minister now. Proper little Hitler. He was on Times Radio today where he was asked by Stig Abel, when will it end? When will the requirement to present an NHS COVID pass, when will that end? This was his answer. Yeah, well, look, there's been a call to say, when will this end? And I've said, honestly, this morning already that I can't tell people when this will end because I can't tell you when the pandemic will be over. What I can say is we know the winter will be difficult and you should expect this to be something that goes on through the winter. And I was part of a conversation with my officials and representatives of the sector at the end of last week, going through the guidance and what we were going to do and publish. And so they do understand what they're going to be asked to do. But we also accept that when you start doing something new like this, there may be some teething problems at the start. But we've got a we've got a free software to scan COVID passes when people come in. It takes less than a second. And, you know, I don't know if you do still go to nightclubs and frighten young people, but I remember the days when people needed to check ID and trainers and all sorts of things. So actually, the ability to check a COVID pass that'll take less than a second with free software is something that I don't think is wildly unreasonable. Don't get me we started on, tra- it, on trainers in nightclubs, uh, Vaughan. Well, I think it's a disgrace. Th- there, are, there, are, there are different views, but we're very clear this is a clear requirement and we think it'll help these businesses to stay open. Yeah, that was Stig Abel joking about trainers in nightclubs and about being too old for nightclubs instead of doing his job and annihilating the odious little twerp Vaughn Getting. Please, if you don't know what Getting looks like, please look for him online. He looks as bad as he sounds. This little bollocks who, for most of the last year, as I said, he was the Welsh health minister. So he did a lot of briefings and he was heard on a lot of radio shows about COVID restrictions in Wales. Dreadful people, these people. But it's all the big laugh to the journalists. It's hilarious. Let's laugh about trainers and nightclubs as the country turns into, well, one big massive gulag, really. Now, everybody is talking about Sultana today. Who Richie Sultana? Sultana caught COVID when she was pregnant and ended up in a coma. And her twins were born while she was in said coma. And the BBC and everyone else wants you to listen to Sultana. Ladies, and if you're pregnant, just go and get the jab because you don't want to end up like Sultana. 
even the BBC website today, hilarious, read like, read like the Weekly World News. Do you remember? Do you remember at the supermarket, the Weekly World News, wonderful front pages like JFK and Elvis visit me every night and shag me mercilessly, or, or I don't know, Marilyn Monroe is the mother of my twin boys or whatever, right? The BBC read like the Weekly World News. Here's the headline from the BBC today. My twins were born while I was in a COVID coma. No such thing as a COVID coma. It's all lies. But anyway, don't be like Sultana. Do not be like Sultana. And they were queuing up today, doctors and midwives and nurses and ministers and leprechauns and anyone they could drag onto the telly to tell women who are up the duff, for God's sake, will you come forward to be jabbed for the love of General Zod and death as a post-nom and sexy Ursa, get jabbed, you pathetic pregnant prima donnas. That was basically it today. No, not good enough. And we talk about lockstep on the Richie Allen show. We often talk about lockstep, don't we? It's funny because while all of this is going on here in here in Saxonland, the Sassanooks, while all of this is going on here, I was listening to Morning Ireland and Colm Henry from Ireland's Health Service Executive. He was warning Irish pregnant women, Irish women up the duff, to go and get the jab too. And he was using much of the same language being used by others on UK television and radio. Yes. Now, fear not, because Kay Burley knew what to do. That's the Ginger Ninja Sky News Breakfast presenter. She knew to bring on Dr David Lloyd. Now, David is Kay's favourite GP. And David Lloyd knows everything Go on, Kay. Uh, let's bring in um, our regular GP, uh, Dr. David Lloyd, uh, from his surgery in Northwest London. Hello to you, Dr. Lloyd. How are you going to get more pregnant women to come and have their vaccine? There was a lot of confusion and concern at the beginning of the pandemic with uh, reports, anecdotal reports, that midwives were saying, oh, you shouldn't have that for now. Yes, I think that's right. We started off with some rather um, mixed messages coming from the health service. I think we're all full on now. We we um, we really must get these pregnant women vaccinated. Uh, it is so safe and so important because, as you've reported, and as I can speak to personally, uh, ITUs are full of pregnant women with COVID. So it's a very dangerous time. Women's immune systems when they're pregnant are very different from when they're not pregnant, and it makes them especially prone to to infections. Every year the flu jab becomes increasingly important for pregnant women. Uh, we see pregnant women in intensive care with flu. Uh, and as has been reported over the weekend, it looks like the combination of flu and COVID together is, is a really deadly combination. So <laughs> please, if you know someone who's pregnant, uh, and like the professor, my daughter is pregnant again, um, we must get them all flued up and all vaccinated against COVID because they really are a major at-risk group. We must get them all flued up, he said. I don't know what he meant by that. I think it was just a slip of the forked tongue, I think. The combination of flu and COVID together is a really deadly combination. So please, if you know someone who's pregnant, uh, and like the professor, my daughter is pregnant again, um, we must get them all flued up and all vaccinated <laughs> against COVID because they really are a major at-risk group. No, they're and not. it's the group that we're very, very keen to follow up in general practice. We're very, very keen to follow up in general practice, pregnant women. They're not in any great danger from COVID. 
they're not really. You did you did catch this bit in the middle, didn't you? We really must get these pregnant women vaccinated. Wow, I mean, it's staggering. We really must get these pregnant women vaccinated. Why don't you just leave them alone? Uh, it is so safe and so important. Because, he doesn't know it's safe. Because as you've reported, and as I can speak to personally, uh, ITUs are full of pregnant women with COVID. So this is bullshit now. There's no evidence to back it up. And because the media left the planet a long, 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 long time ago, as has been... I suppose I've gotten into it too many times on this programme. We've not had a journalist on national television or radio for many a year. It's at that juncture you must jump in, you see. That's your job. Your job is very simple. It's very, very simple. ITUs are full up with pregnant women. You stop him there and you say, really? Any evidence of that, David? Uh, ITUs are full of pregnant women with No, they're not. COVID, so no, no, they're not. It's a very dangerous time. Liar. He's a liar, right? Lloyd is a liar. He's a pathological liar. And Burley probably knows that intensive care units are not full up with pregnant women with COVID. It's a lie. So you've got to begin to wonder why are they so desperate to vaccinate pregnant women? Now, Lloyd probably won't know that, you see. Probably won't because he's just a simple GP. He won't know that there's something else going on. Anyway, here's a bit more of it. Here at my COVID hub, we're monitoring people who are at risk. What? Did he just say, here at my COVID hub? Here at my COVID hub, we're monitoring people who... I think he just did. Here at my COVID hub, we're monitoring people... I thought he was in a GP surgery. I thought he was a GP that had a surgery. But he's referred to it as a COVID hub. That's a bit weird. Anyway, let's crack on with it. Here at my COVID hub, we're monitoring people who are at risk uh, and pregnant women are especially at risk and they need to be monitored very carefully indeed. So yes, anything that you can do in your way, Kay, to make this so important, it is vital. Imagine that. Anything you can do, Kay. So you lay on the propaganda as thick as you can, Kay. Anything you can do. Don't ask me any questions about... Proof. Don't ask me to prove any of the outlandish claims I just made. Bad enough you won't do that. But I want you to join in the propaganda, Kay, and do as much as you can to tell pregnant women to go and have the jab. Grandad Half Hour here on Sky News this morning. It's fantastic. Um, there's a lot of criticism for GPs who are not seeing... I don't know if you've seen the front page of the Daily Mail this morning. They're not seeing enough people face-to-face. The counter-argument that some GPs uh, are having to ha- uh, cope with something like three, one GP, 3,000 patients. What's your experience? Um, well, we are... I don't think in my 40 years of working in general practice we've ever seen quite so many angry patients. Uh, I totally understand. It's really difficult to to get back to the levels that we were and seeing patients face to face. We have to, I'm afraid in the health service, we're still doing the donning of PPE, we're cleaning the rooms, we're having to wash after every patient. So no longer can you get a patient in and out in five minutes or 10 minutes. It's a 20 minute job. So this- Wow, no longer can you get a patient in and out in five or 10 minutes. It's a 20 minute job. David Lloyd, who has been practicing as a GP for 40 years, he's okay with seeing people for five or ten minutes and then cattle market out the door, bring the next one in. But it's taking longer now because of the excessive cleaning after each patient. Oh, my God. Minute job. So there's just in the question of timing, you can't do it. Plus the fact that we are, uh, as you know, we've now gone over to this triage first system, which I don't think is going to change. Several colleagues and friends of mine have, have started asking patients uh, when they ring up, do they want to come in and see us face-to-face? 
or do they want to stay on a video consult or a telephone consult? Yes, he goes on to tell Kay Burley that around one third of patients offered the face-to-face decline it and prefer instead to do it on the Zoom about one third. Here's a little bit more. <laughs> one of the things you do have to go in... Don't know why she found that funny, to be honest. <laughs> one of the things you do have to go in for, of course, is your vaccinations, um, boosters that time of year, uh, for COVID, excuse me, and also... Yes. Um, what a wench Burley is, eh? What a wench Kay Burley is. This is garbage, this. Um, boosters that time... Boosters. ...time of year uh, for COVID, excuse me, and also yes. um, uh, the flu. Can you have yes. them both together? Are there any side yes, effects? Yes, you can. Yes, and yes, you can. It's perfectly safe to have them together or a week apart. So, yes, please do. Don't feel... Well, which is it? It's perfectly safe to have them together or a week apart, which is, that doesn't sound very clinical or scientific to me. What do you think, dear listener? Yes, and yes you can. It's perfectly safe right. to have them together or a week apart. Which is it? So, yes, please do. <laughs> Don't feel that one or the other is going to stop you getting it. So please either, get, either wait a week to have them separately or have them both together at the same time. And that's a very good thing to do if you can. And do you have them one in each arm? Yes, well, yes one in each arm, yeah. So you can't use both arms for a while. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I can... T- Again, Burley is turning into Dr. Um, Hibbard from The Simpsons, laughing inappropriately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can testify that the uh, flu one hurts more than the uh, Pfizer one. The flu one hurts more than the Pfizer one. That's Pulitzer Prize stuff right there. Um, oh, but- not if I'd given it. It would have been painless. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 If you had a gun to Dr. David Lloyd, the little prick would have given her a little prick. It would have been painless if you had to come to me, says Dr. David Lloyd. Did you hear about the nasal spray? That sounds like a really good idea. Why can't we have those for adults? Brilliant stuff, Kay. She heard him a few moments ago when he said, Kay, we need you to lay on the propaganda. So now she asks about the nasal spray jabs. Well, uh, I think the professor got it in one. We've got it with some of us, and I'm over 65, I'm afraid, so I have to have the super powerful one, which you can't give up the nose. You've got to, you've got to give it in the arm so far. But as, 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 as the professor said, the, 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 the vaccine advances that have happened because of COVID are going to make all sorts of things possible. All sorts of things possible. Vaccines or jabs for everything, for every ailment that's ever been prescribed. This is the Richie Allen Show. The time is 18 and a half minutes past the hour. With you till seven o'clock. Dr. Catherine Horton, PhD, will join me in around about a half an hour's time. A little bit less than that. We'll have an extended conversation. I think you'll find it fascinating. I really do think you'll find it fascinating indeed. Go on, I'll take a tune. When we come back then, we'll talk a little bit about Institute, or not Institute, they are an institute. They should be in an institution. It's uh, Insulate Britain, that's right. Insulate Britain, get it right, you big baldy Baxter. Monday's programme, The Richie Allen Show, the 11th of October 2021, with me, the BBG. Comment live through the website richieallen.co.uk. This is the world's most listened to independent news radio show. That's a fact. That's not an empty claim. And I'm at the helm today. Two minutes past five, Monday's programme. Dr. Catherine Horton, PhD, with me in around about 25 minutes. Time, let me read out some of your messages. There's been a few of them thus far. Angela Lambert, how you doing, Angela? 
Angela says when, when she was pregnant, she was told not to even take paracetamol. That rings a bell, Angela. That rings a bell. Having produced many a mid-morning talk show when I started out, shows which were full to the brim of um, women ringing in to speak to us in the mid-morning, talking about things like pregnancy and stuff like that, and female health issues. I'm pretty sure I've heard that many a time. Doctors saying to women, when you are pregnant, be very careful. Don't take pretty much anything, really, if you can if you can help it. Hi to John Spargo, and hi to Patricia, who says the controllers must have decided to force the shots on pregnant women now. In Switzerland, it's the same bullshit. Pregnant women need to get the vaccine, they're saying. There are other opinions, though. Uh, New England Journal of Medicine backtracks, now says COVID vaccine may not be safe for pregnant women. Thanks, Patricia. I saw that over the weekend. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, hi to Fabrizio. Hi to Gavin Liederman. How you doing, Gavin? He says, another doctor on the Convid payroll. He's referring to Dr. David Lloyd. Going by all the deaths and injuries, uh, the fake vax bioweapon should have been stopped after a couple of weeks. All the hospitals and surgeries are COVID hubs. Wasn't that very interesting? Here at my COVID hub. What? What? Thought you were working from a doctor's surgery, not a COVID hub. Hi to Craig, who says an article from the Mail shows that of the pregnant women in intensive care, 17% of them have not been jabbed, but 15% have been. Thank you, Craig. There has apparently been an increase in pregnant women ending up in intensive care since last March. How many of them, I wonder, have gotten ill from breathing in the toxic load of bacteria from the damned masks, says Craig. Yes. Craig, if there's been a slight increase in pregnant women ending up in intensive care units, I bet you you're talking about tiny, tiny, tiny numbers anyway. You know, the way these stories are spun in the media, you imagine it's hundreds or thousands, when in fact it might not even be a dozen. This is the thing, you see. They lie, they lie, but that's what they do. Linda says, Richie, my boys are 12. To my surprise, in my area of Essex, the secondary school sent out letters last week asking us to accept or decline the forthcoming jab. Needless to say, I decline, says Linda. Thank you, Linda. Hi to Alan. In Liverpool, how does Lloyd know the jab is safe? Oh yes, Pfizer, AstraZeneca et al. told him. Sure they did. Well, he would have been told by the MHRA, the, Med- the Medicines and Healthcare Regulatory Authority here in the UK. It's uh, 25 minutes past five. Thanks for the comments. Keep them coming. I'll be reading them out as I go along. Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio has been having some fun and quite a few laughs in recent weeks with the children of the Insulate Britain cult. She loves, loves it, does Julia. Loves it. Now, you know who they are now. Insulate Britain. Climate change is going to kill us all. And we want the government to spend billions insulating every home in the UK. And we will block the roads until we get our way. Now, the latest protests um, this weekend, I'm, I'm not sure if they were as chaotic over the weekend, I'm not sure. But anyway, Julie Hartley Brewer taking on these people. The latest priestess of the cult this morning was a woman called Tracy Malligan. We would say Malahan in Ireland. They say Malligan in England because they're thick. 
Anyway, good fun. Democracy, well, democracy is broken, says Tracy. Well, unfortunately, our democracy is a bit broken. What we have well, is... Well, it is, because people like you keep breaking it. <laughs> Come on, sweetheart, play fair. We have government You and don't media. play fair. You don't play Selling fair. Lies. lies, misdirection, and as a mum, the only way I get to talk to my people and break the deadlock that the media and government have on the truth is <laughs> by... Are you a conspiracy theorist claiming that the media and the government aren't talking about issues like climate change? Where have you been the last 10 years? It's all they talk about. In misdirected ways, you yourself are saying, Mike, quite clearly that you don't agree with the Chatham House report. There are many people out there who do not understand the crisis that we are in. We're not in a crisis. We're not, we're not in a crisis. That's the whole point. We're not in a crisis. We're not in a crisis. That's the whole point. You don't think we're in a crisis. Your personal life... No, it's a matter of is opinion, not... isn't it? That's the whole point. And that's why we debate things in a democracy. I am suffering from the fuel crisis, from the energy crisis, from the lack of care, from the defunding of everything in our community. I and millions of Brits are suffering, Julia. You might not be, but many of us are. Millions of people are suffering from high energy prices because they're having part of the, what they have to pay is a subsidy for renewables. And because we because don't, we, and, be, and oh, I thought we were, so Tracy, I thought we were playing fair. And because we haven't invested in cheap, reliable fuel like nuclear and shale gas, both of which I'm assuming you oppose. Absurd. Absolutely absurd what you're saying. We waste more from our houses than all of the cars in Britain. We waste more. Now, you really should be on board with energy. The more that we save, the less that we waste, the less that we will need. And people's bills could come down by 90%. This more. is just garbage now. More. 90% reduction in my heating bill. I need that now, Tracy, Julie. I really wish that's to an absolute load of abject nonsense, what you Bollocks. Yeah. what you just it's said. My bills will come down by 90% if we insulate our attics and we put sellotape or masking tape on our windows. It is, it is, it is absolute nonsense. Bollocks, and, yeah. And you could put, put fantastic insulation all around. I mean, why don't we just like box in people's windows because all the energy that goes out of people's windows and everyone just live in the dark under a duvet. Shame on you, Julia, having this platform and telling your absurdities and your lies. It's Shame on you, having the platform and telling your absurdities and your lies. This is why we get on the road. God damn you. On the road. So we can come in here and we can call on your lies. Okay. Shame on you. It's a really dangerous game. Yes, you want to use rude language on my show, I'm afraid we, we, we do actually have to remove that so people might hear a little glitch in their, uh, their interview there because of some of the language Tracy used. Again, um, you don't seem to be very happy with having, let's say, a debate and a conversation and being able to back up what you have to say with facts. You resort to abuse and you resort to threats to the British people. Isn't this part of the problem? Yeah, threats. Yeah, one of the guys involved in Insulate Britain, that guy Roger Hallam, didn't he tell a Daily Mail journalist that he would hang in the future? They are demented, these people. The problem is we have been lied to for decades. For decades, our government has refused to get on with the job of insulation and people like you are calling me absurd for telling the truth. If we'd have got on with insulating our houses... I wouldn't you're, have such high energy bills right now. So you're, you're an insulate truther. I, I don't think anyone has ever said 
it's a bad idea to insulate people's homes. I think people have supported... Now, the government did have an insulate project in which they, you know, they then scrapped. Okay, again, that's an issue to, That's an issue that's worth discussing and debating and, and bringing to the fore. Yeah, but not with them because you can't speak with them. Her mate, Liam Norton, he's Insulate Britain's most often seen spokesman. You've seen him on. He walked off of Good Morning Britain. He fell out with Richard Maidley. Liam Norton is a bit... He's a bit... I don't know, I shouldn't say it really. It might be a bit unkind. He's not playing with a full deck, this guy. But he's Insulate Britain's most often seen spokesman, I suppose. He was on GB News with Patrick Christie's. Now, Insulate Britain has said that if it doesn't get its way, it'll unleash hell. So GB News presenter Patrick Christie's wanted to know, what does that mean? What does unleashing hell mean? Thanks for having us on the show. Well, um, here's what uh, Robert Moritz, who's the chairman of um, a well-known eco-mob called Pricewaterhouse & Cooper, one of the biggest accountancy firms um, in the UK and the world, I believe. He said this, climate change is the most formidable challenge humanity has had to face since World War II. We understand what uh, hell World War II was um, for human beings, don't we? Yes, but what does it mean when you say you're going to unleash hell? You're just going to, what, unleash the blitz? <laughs> no, what, we're to, what I'm here to talk about is um, the hell that GB News should be talking about, is the hell that's coming down the line for the people of this country um, if this uh, climate change situation that we all face isn't dealt with. Yeah, but what is it you're going to do? We're going to keep the campaign going until we get a meaningful statement from the government that we can trust that they're going to start to protect the British people. There you are. We'll keep going until we get a meaningful statement from the government that says they're going to do what we tell them and protect the British people from the evils of climate change. Yeah. It's 28 minutes to the top of the hour. Monday's programme. How's yourself this Monday? All well with you? Do go to my website, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live during the live programme. I've got to reiterate live, by the way. I've got to reiterate live. There might be a problem with my website, is there? At the moment, there might be an issue. It uh, There's such a volume of traffic going through it during the live radio programme these days that presents a problem from time to time, such such such, such as the weight of traffic going through the website, richieallen.co.uk. I'll keep an eye on it. I'll keep an eye on it as we go along. But for the moment, I think it's um, there's an issue. I just noticed that right now. Hey, listen, Fox 11, Los Angeles. Fox 11, Los Angeles. Of course, Fox News, Fox the Network, has got dozens and dozens of affiliates all over the United States. Sometimes as many as 10, 15, 20 per state, right? Anyway, Fox 11 in Los Angeles has a show entitled The Issue is. That's what it's called. The issue is. And it goes out on Friday evenings. Uh, Brian Tyler Cohen and Michael Knowles are two talking heads debating vaccine uh, mandates. The the need to, to, to mandate vaccines, vaccine passports and stuff like that. Now, Michael Knowles was quite good. You will hear the host ask a question of Michael Knowles and then you'll hear his answer and it's quite good and quite reasoned. Have a listen. You, you just said, though, that it could very well make it harder for you to die from COVID. Isn't that reason enough? Well, I think it, you're making a good argument 
to get the vaccine. But I didn't realize we were debating whether or not people should get the vaccine. I think that's a completely separate issue. The question is, should one, does the government have the right to institute these kinds of mandates? And I think the legal grounding is pretty shaky. But two, is there a public health benefit to getting that vaccine? And again, I'm just relying on the data here from the, the CDC that came out at the end of July on, on the uh, rates of transmission among vaccinated people. But there are reasons not to get vaccinated as well. Uh, UC Davis had a study come out not that long ago, which showed that for certain young men, they actually face greater risk from the vaccine than they do of dying from the virus. You, we know that uh, young women in particular have uh, contracted blood clots from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. That's why they paused the vaccine. We know that there are rates of myocarditis and pericarditis in people with the mRNA vaccines. We know that the vaccines have caused, again, in rare cases, nerve damage. And we know that people have religious objections to it as well, because all of the vaccines for coronavirus were at least developed, if not also produced, with uh, fetal stem cells. So I, I just think there are a lot of arguments for for prudence here. And also, let's not forget, the infection fatality rate from coronavirus is extraordinarily low. For people under 65, the infection fatality rate is, is, is less than half a percentage point. So if you're looking at, for all of these people, 99.5% are going to survive it. And for young people in particular, it's 99.997 or 99.999%. I just don't see where the, the urgency is for, for such an extraordinary draconian mandate. Good, right? Very good. Now you will hear Brian Tyler Cohen Cohen wants the jobs to be mandated. Union mandate. Brian, no, the, the, craziest, the craziest thing here is this is being said as if we haven't, again, just lost 700,000 people. Try telling the families of those 700,000 victims that we just, that, that it's not important enough to, uh, to impose but any Brian, uh, draconian Bri measures. You know, this is going to be, this, this is, is going to be. the average age of a COVID death in the United States? I'm not sure I don't have that on me. So the average age of a COVID death in the United States is north of 80. The, the average age of a COVID death so, in the United States is higher than the average life expectancy in the United States. So I'm not saying that we don't need to protect grandma. We should, but grandma can go get the vaccine and that vaccine is going to protect her from hospitalization and death. It's actually not going to provide no. an additional public health advantage. Michael Knowles there speaking to Fox 11 Los Angeles. The program called The Issue is last Friday evening. I came across the clip online. 24 minutes to the top of the hour. This is your Richie Allen radio show. Busy week ahead. Lots of interesting guests to come on the programme this week. I can just about get back on the homepage, by the way. If you're listening to the recording of this, this will all be a bit silly for you because uh, obviously you'll be listening to the recording. But anyway, I'm back in. Uh, Cara says, Richie, my sister just told me she doesn't want to see me because I'm unjabbed. She's taking a flight later this month, and I asked her if she was nervous about that. Her response, you can't get COVID on an airplane. You mostly get it in public places. What is this insanity, asks Cara. I know, Cara. When you listen to the gentleman there, Michael Knowles, laying it on the line, if we accept that COVID-19 is a genuine concern, that it's a going concern, it's a genuine thing, if we accept that, that it is a respiratory infection. And I've never said yay or nay, because you can't prove a negative. I don't know. I've always worked on the premise that it does exist. But I'm not telling you that it exists. I'm telling you I've worked on the premise. In order to wake people up to what's going on, you have to kind of doing a programme like this from your base... You know, your starting point. All right, there's a virus then. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's just say there is then. 
the whole thing falls apart when you look at the death numbers, when you look at the the testing regime that began last year with the PCR test, which is completely redundant. It shouldn't be used. It certainly shouldn't be used at um, cycling thresholds of over 25 or over 30. The whole thing falls apart when they tell you that the average age of a COVID death in this country is 83 and the average life expectancy is about 81 and a half. The whole thing collapses. Most people don't even know they've, they've got it, if they do have it. You know, you can go back to early last year. I won't play the clip again. Go back to, go back to April, May last year when Chris Whitty, England's chief medical officer, went in front of the cameras at Downing Street and basically hung the whole story out to dry. Whitty said, and I paraphrase, most people won't get it. They won't get it. Of those who do get it, most of them won't even know they had it. Of those who know that they have it, most of them will only have mild symptoms. Of the ones who have mild symptoms, only a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of those will go on to have serious symptoms. And even then, only a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of that group of people will end up in hospital. They told us from the beginning that this is monumental bollocks. And I feel for Cara, whose sister is spewing out this crap. I don't know what you can do about people like that, apart from love them, because it's your family, in Cara's case, and it's your friends. Love them. Don't abandon them. Don't dismiss them. Just love them. And hope that sometime soon they will realise that this is the greatest scam of all time. Irrespective, it's almost, and I know this will piss some of you off, it's almost immaterial now whether the virus is real or not and I know that will piss many of you off the purest you will say well of course it does Richie and I will have sympathy with you but at this stage you know you have more chance of convincing somebody that the response to this has been nothing short of Nazi-esque rather than trying to convince them that the thing never existed to begin with if that's what you believe I don't believe or disbelieve that I don't know I just don't know. There are so many things I don't know. I'll give a Donald Rumsfeld little speech there now. There's so many known unknowns and unknown knowns and known... You know, you, you've heard it before. 20 minutes to the top of the air. Dr. Uh, Catherine Horton, PhD, will be with me momentarily. Lots been happening with uh, her since we last spoke. It's got to be about three years. I think 2018 was the last time we spoke. I met her back in 2016. I came across her online. She was looking for somebody to listen to her story and uh, ended up coming on the Richie Allen Show, the first uh, programme she spoke on. We spoke at length about her belief that um, she was gang-stalked, basically, and targeted, beginning uh, when she was at Oxford University, when she attended a trial, would you believe, in uh, it was actually a high court case she attended as part of her research into the English legal system. And she believed that by attending that, uh, she began to be followed and stalked and harassed. And that was ramped up then, where directed energy weapons were used against her. Incredibly articulate incredibly compelling. See, what I never ever do on this programme, and I've never done it, is endorse a guest and tell you that the guest is right. That guest is right. I don't know that Catherine Horton is right or others whom I've interviewed over the years, but I, I believe them to be sincere 
and it's all that has ever mattered to me on this program, is that they're sincere. They believe what they're saying. That's all that matters. We have a conversation then, and then you get out of it whatever you get out of it. Catherine with me, hopefully, and I think she will be in a couple of minutes' time. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk the Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Do, but pretty soon there won't be any podcast providers. I know this now. So many podcast providers have just deleted the programme. So live it's where, is where it's going to have to be. Or Podomatic.com. That's richieallen.podomatic.com. I recommend you subscribe there. That's your best bet. Alrighty, alrighty, this is The Laws, The Laws, The Laws. And a terrific tune called There She Goes on the Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, the 11th of October 2021. I'm the BBG, by the way, the baldiest, gammonest man in town. And I'm with you till 7 o'clock. Dr. Catherine Horton is next. The laws and there she goes. The website is in and out at the moment. RichieAllen.co.uk is in and out at the moment. I'm pretty sure it's a traffic thing. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Just to let you know, just to let you know that we, when I say we, I I mean me, because there's only me. I've increased the streaming capacity for the programme for about the fourth or fifth time in the seven years that the programme has been on air. Because the live listening numbers have just increased steadily month on month on month on month. What you get, you see, when you stream and you pay for a streaming service is you get a, you get, you, you get a certain bandwidth limit. And you also get the capacity to hold so many listeners at any given time. And it's been crazy since the out, since the outset of this, scam last year. The programme is always very, very busy, live. It always had a very healthy live audience, but in the last 18 months, it's just gone crazy. I reckon it's increased by about 40% just in 18 months. That's just an astonishing thing. So I've had to keep upping the capacity and that obviously costs money, but I'm not going to get into that now, but it does cost a significant amount of money. Spending the best part of £1,100 a month now on streaming, would you believe? Because I've got to have the capacity now to hold 400,000 listeners simultaneously. Without that, we run into serious problems. And it's about 40 terabytes of bandwidth, I think, or something that's allocated to the programme. It's madness, is what it is. And it's going to get more and more busy as the podcasts disappear. It's a nice problem to have for the, for, for the moment. It is, no doubt about that. I'm certainly not complaining. But the website, um, we're going to have to do something about that as well because the volume of traffic on the website during the live programme is becoming increasingly larger. 
I suppose. Um, still waiting for Catherine Horton to say hello to me. Uh, she's not there yet. Um, she's due to be with me at this time today. Uh, she's on uh, the US East Coast at the moment. Something you might or might not know, but uh, William Binney or Bill Binney, the US uh, NSA whistleblower, former National Security Agency employee. But uh, Catherine these days is married to Bill Binney. Uh, Bill was on this programme with me, wasn't he? wasn't he, uh, a couple of times over the years, countering the mainstream media's anti-Russian narrative. Bill Binney was on this programme, and he's now, uh, they're, they're, they're now a couple. She mentioned to me in an email exchange over the weekend how nice for them both. So uh, she's not there. She should be there. I don't know why she isn't there. We'll give her a few minutes. If she isn't there, we'll go and do something else. That's the beauty of the programme. We can do something else, you and I. I think the website is back up and running again. Uh, let's uh, hope it is. Hi to Martin, who says, Richie, all of my family, children, uh, four of them, etc., won't speak to me. My children won't speak to me. Blocked on WhatsApp because I've been telling people about this for years. Now it's happening. They still abandon me. Bollocks to them, says Martin. Yes, but it's not nice, Martin. They're your blood. Now, it doesn't sound like it's your fault, pal, you know, and, uh, but still, it's dreadful, isn't it? Uh, John in Austin in Texas, that would be Scottish, John, to you and me. He said, last night, Richie, we had a thunderstorm so fierce, I thought my wee house was going to blow away. This morning, there was a clear blue sky and I could fry an egg on the pavement. I love this climate change, says Scottish John. <laughs> Absolute Mont. And William says, Richie, I've heard many folks joining you for a wag say they think we have made it here in, we have it made here in Florida. Not so. Yes, let's start this again. We have heard that so Southern governors, do you count Florida, Florida as a Southern state, do you? I'm not so sure you do. Um, maybe you do. Who is it in Florida? Is it Rick DeSantis? Is that the guy in Florida? Forgive me if I'm wrong. I read about so many Southern governors. But uh, Rich, uh, William says, Richie, there's a counter narrative. He says, I've heard people come on the programme with you for a chinwag. They say that we've got it made here in Florida. It's not true. I cannot travel. People are still masked up the butthole. And those without their Halloween masks are jabbed up the wazoo. So although we are not locked down, Richie, it's still hell. By the way, he says, I really appreciate the extra effort you make to send the Patreon messages. Thank you, William. I try. I do try. I don't have a lot of time to do that, but I do try. Thank you, my friend. When do I expect to be knighted? Well, obviously, obviously any day soon, William. And, and unlike that, that gobsheen Bono, I won't be accepting the honorary knighthood from Her Maj. No, I won't at all. All right, I'm going to go and try and chase up or scare up, as the saying goes, Catherine Horton, PhD. While I do that, here's a tune from Coldplay. If Catherine isn't there, and I don't see why she wouldn't be, we'll do something else. How about them apples? All righty. I like this tune. It's from Parachutes. Clocks from Coldplay on the Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, Drive Time. It's Drive Time Summer, it's Drive Time here into the UK. You know, guests dropping out are like bosses. It doesn't happen forever, and then two come along at once. I know. 
By the way, the judge that was due to be on the programme last week from Portugal, Dr. Judge Dr. Rui Castro, got back to me over the weekend. I picked up his message today, offering his apology for not being with us last week. Some appeal that he was involved in some hearing ran on. And I said, yeah, fair enough. You know, shit does happen. I'm well aware of it. But you know the programme. You know it's a live radio programme. It's not just any programme, you know. You came to me, you know, and asked me to be on. A text message wouldn't have killed you, you know. But I'm a forgiving type. We'll get the guy on at some stage. Maybe this week we'll get him on. But at the moment, there's no sign of Dr. Catherine Horton, uh, who uh, was uh, only in touch with me at the weekend to say she couldn't wait to come back on uh, today, but she's not there. And uh, there isn't anything I can do about that other than either waffle away which I'm not planning on doing, or read some comments, some very interesting comments coming through. The website seems to have stabilised there. richieallen.co.uk I'll say this again because it's worth saying again. Some of you do make me laugh. Some of you who tell me, come on, Richie, there's no such thing as a virus. There's no virus, Richie. It's terrain theory. It's not germ theory. And then you tell me to get David Icke on. Somebody's telling me to get David Icke on to tell me that there's no virus. Why would I do that? David isn't a doctor. He's not a biologist. He's not a virologist. He's not an epidemiologist. Last time I looked anyway. So David David has an opinion, does he, on the virus? I'm sure he does. And my experience of David over the years is that his opinions are very, very interesting indeed. But no, I'm not going to bring him on to tell me that there's no such thing as the virus. No. And you've asked me to get Andrew Kaufman back on. Andrew Kaufman didn't do very well when he was on the programme and I challenged his terrain theory. He didn't have too many answers. He was a nice guy now. He was pleasant and I was equally pleasant, but he didn't have any answers. So some of you make me laugh. You've chosen to believe somebody and you've invested in that and you believe it. So there you are. And when I say, prove it to me, well, Andrew Kaufman says it, uh, David says it, really? So that makes it true then, does it? Does it? D- does it make it true then, germ theory, Baldy? I never said so. But when I asked the obvious questions to Andrew Kaufman, he had no answers. None that were legitimate anyway. So the jury's out for me when it comes to this theory about diseases not being spread via germs. It's an interesting theory. But as far as I'm concerned, it's only a theory. Show me some proof or shut the hell up. No, 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 no. Don't shut the hell up. Don't shut the hell up. Do not. No, no, no. Talk about your theory all you want. But don't demand of me that I get people on when I've had them on before and they didn't do very well. And by they, I mean Andrew Kaufman, of course. Uh, David's got an enormous platform. So if you want to hear what David has to say about viruses, just go to davidike.com. And you might learn something there. I'm sure you will. But um, it's, it's funny, this, this nonsense, you know, people carry on with, you know. This nonsense. You're almost, some of you are almost like the Extinction Rebellion Insulate Britain types. That you cannot cope with somebody else having a different opinion to you. You can't live with it. If you get something into your head and you believe something to be factual, you just cannot bear to be anywhere near an alternative point of view. That's not a healthy place to be in. It really isn't. Trust me, 
I used to be that soldier, but I'm not anymore. I've said it a thousand times. I know far less now than I did when I was 21. I know nothing. But I'm not arrogant. My opinions are my opinions. I base them on evidence to hand. When it comes to germ theory, I'm not a biologist, Scientologist, epidemiologist, vaccinologist either. I'm not, no, no. But I only have my experiences to go by. My experience of growing up and of being in classrooms, of being in lecture halls, of being in dressing rooms as a schoolboy footballer. And when one gets the bloody flu or the, or the heavy cold, all get it. I put this to Andrew Kaufman. He had no answer to that. I said, explain this to me then. You're in these badly insulated offices. Or poorly, not insulated, poorly ventilated offices. You're in the school, you're in the classroom, you're in the dressing room. One comes in, you're in the radio studio. One comes in and he or she has the old germs, as we would believe. And then you all get it. Are we going down in some sort of sympathy? Is there something else going on there that I don't know about? Is there? Or is it because they're sneezing and the germs are going everywhere? Is it? So, you know... Hi to Davy. Davy says, Richie, if people miss your show, mate, if they have an Alexa or something similar, they can catch it later in the evening. In fact, all your shows are there, are they? On Alexa. Davy, don't be don't be don't be advertising Alexa, even though I just did just there. Gary says, Richie. Going back to the doctor on Sky, how would he know the jab is safe for pregnant women? He doesn't, Gary. Gary goes on to say, Surely most women of childbearing age weren't given the first jab until at the earliest April. So I presume enough people would have gone full term to have sufficient data on the effects. Then again, I'm only a simpleton. Why would Kay Burley ask such ridiculous questions? She'll just sit there and laugh like Cletus. Yes. Yes. That's right. Absolutely right. Martin says that his family claimed that the Richie Allen show is fake news. Fair enough, Martin. That's their opinion and they're entitled to it, aren't they? Emma says, I understand why others believe in SARS-CoV-2. The story is very convincing. I'm lucky in that I was exposed to biochemistry, digital imaging, logic and faith. It was only my faith that led me through the science to the conclusion that the virus was entirely fictional and that they were using mainstream media to make people sick through suggestion. It's why I paid for a Darren Brown ticket and never got hypnotised. I'm a rare breed, says Emma, but I can see through lies like no one I know. Studying the mind with Buddhism has given me insight into the mind, says Emma. Thank you, Emma, uh, for that. Interesting comment there. Go to richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live, drop me a message. Wes says all clear here in Alabama. Thank you, Wes. Good stuff. And Sean O'Macher, Sean Omar says, Richie, he says, great show. I can remember the shows you worked on in Waterford when real journalists did their job as you are doing now, he says. Thanks, Sean. He says, keep up, keep up the great work. Loch Gorman, August Port Lauriga, Abu. Sean in Wexford. Thank you, Sean. Alrighty. No, it doesn't look like we'll be speaking to Dr. Catherine Horton this particular Monday. 
and uh, that's uh, that's a shame, but I don't know why she isn't there. Ah, oh, what are you going to do? We're going to take another tune, is what we're going to do, and then move swiftly on. Yeah, the Ramones and Baby I Love You on the Richie Allen Show. It's seven and a half minutes past six o'clock this Monday. Great tune, that. Oh, yeah. Worked in a disco bar many, many, many moons ago called Muldoon's in Waterford, which is long gone, as far as I understand. And it was uh, incredible. It was rammed out, rammed out, pretty much Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's when I DJed, and uh, loved it. Would would go on about nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, and stay there till about two thirty a.m. And it was my job to keep them dancing, and more importantly, keep them boozing. And it was quite competitive too, Waterford. Anybody who knows Waterford City, at that particular time, it was quite competitive. There were a number of clubs and disco bars. And to be fair, many of them had pretty good DJs. Not as good as me now. No, they were, there were good DJs around. So it was quite competitive, really. Keeping your bar full and your, not your manager, but the owners of these bars wouldn't be shy now in moving DJs on if they felt that the takings on Fridays and Saturdays over a period of time were down. So it was great fun. Great fun. I re- remembered very, very fondly my DJing days. It's, re- it's uh, the Richie Allen Show for Monday. Now, Dr. Catherine Horton, PhD, was due to be on the programme. Sadly, is a bit of a no-show. I mentioned earlier on, it is a bit, it, there is a, some, some truth to this. It's like buses. You know, no, no shows are like buses. You don't get them very often, but when you do, they tend to come in twos. And we had a problem last week, didn't we? We said the judge, I mentioned this a few minutes back, he's been in touch since. We might do something with him. He's taking on the, the, the lockdown or the legality of the lockdown in Portugal there. A guy called Judge Dr. Rui Castro. Something has gone off in my brain because I think I've said Costa, but in fact it is Castro. Yes, thank you for your comments coming in. Uh, Diane says, Richie, I tend to think that the, that the targeted individual phenomenon is real. I have a friend who is being targeted. It's been over a protracted period. She's just an ordinary elderly woman, not known to authorities. Not an activist type, but she is an easy target. I suppose I better give some sort of Clift notes. Does anybody still use Clift notes or Clift's notes? Have I even pronounced that right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's in the United States, it's a summary, isn't it? Clift's notes is a series of little booklets summarising anything you can think of. It might be summarising the poetry of Keats or Yeats or Dante's Inferno or whatever. And they were often used, often used, weren't they, by students who wanted to, to take a shortcut from the old studying before exams. I we, I don't think we had the equivalent, did we, in, in Ireland, did we? When I did my exams, when I... Well, no, I don't think so. When I was at university, I don't think there were... We had the equivalent in, uh, in in Ireland. At least I don't remember anyway, but you might know better than me. Good evening to Wes Baker. Good evening, Wes. Jean-Anne is telling me reliably, no, we didn't have the equivalent. And that's why we are the master race, the Irish. 
That is why. Like when you take a bunch of Irish people and you take a bunch of people from England, maybe the United States, maybe China, maybe France, maybe Nigeria, and you do an IQ test and you get the best average score, the Irish team will always win because we are the brightest people on planet Earth. Obviously. I don't think I have to say that. It goes without saying. And if it wasn't for the demon drink, of course, we would have beaten Hitler and 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 Stalin and Pol Pot. We we would have taken over the we would have taken over the world years ago. If it wasn't for the piss, alcohol, years ago we would have planted our flag in the capital city of every country on planet Earth. We are the original master race. But somebody figured out that if you brew stuff in barrels, and if you if if you if you trample grapes long enough, you know. And if you ferment whiskey and stuff like that, well, the Irish are easy. They're easy. It's game over. That's the way it's been for, uh, for the Irish. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a generalisation. It's a stereotype. I'm well aware of that. I'm well, there's a bit of truth in it, though. I've succumbed to it myself more than once over the years. There are times when I imbibe too much. There are times when I don't. Sadly, the times when I don't are increasingly less as time goes on. But I'm working on it. I'm doing my best is what I'm doing. I think the day that I get up and have a drink, because I've got so much self-discipline, it's one of the things I do have going for me. I'm not the best-looking guy in the world. I know that. I know that. I'm good-looking. I'm kind of gorgeous, but I'm not the best-looking guy in the world. (laughs) And uh, I've got no hair, but I don't care. But one of the things I do have going for me is my ability uh, to take care of myself, to stop And I have never, I think I've said this recently, as long as I have been an adult, I have never had a drink in the morning. I've never needed a drink to function. I know if I ever did that, that would be the end of it. I've also said to myself over the years, and it's true, if I ever turned nasty because of a drink, if it ever turned me into a kind of a Mr. Hyde or Dr. Jekyll. Which is it? I can't remember. It's Mr. Hyde. Yeah. If it turned me into Hyde, I would stop. If I ever got myself into a situation, I would just stop. I know this, you see. But I don't. I, I only have a couple of jars after work and you justify it. I did watch a very interesting documentary with Adrian Childs from the BBC and formerly of ITV. He talked about, you know, getting accustomed to those drinks after work. And I have a feeling, dear listener, I have a feeling because things have been so miserable for so many in the last 18 months, the enormity of the tyrannical lockdowns and the looming, the looming oppression. As you look down the tunnel, the time tunnel, you look down the next 10 years and it looks so bleak. I have a feeling that many have taken to drinking. You know, people who mightn't have had a drink maybe apart from a Saturday evening when they went out with their friends or maybe Sunday afternoon with Sunday lunch. Lots of people have taken to drinking after work during the week. I believe that. I don't know if there's any statistics out there on it, but I believe that many who have had to get used to the reality of working from home, that's been very depressing for many people. Now, I've always... Well, not always, but in recent years, of course, I worked from home, didn't I? The Richie Allen Show has always been produced and presented from wherever I happen to be living. 
And I got used to that. One of the reasons I got used to it was because at weekends, my better half and myself and our dog or dogs could depart the place and go to places. You know, we could go to cinemas, we could go to rock concerts occasionally, we could escape. That isn't the case. And I think that weighs heavily on a lot of people. And I wouldn't be surprised if alcohol dependency, because addiction is a big word, but dependency hasn't been on the increase in the last 18 months. I certainly, mea culpa, have drunk more in the last 18 months than I would have ever done previously. But I still run five and a half kilometres, six kilometres most of the time, seven days a week. I don't take a break now. I'm a seven day a week runner. I can't take a break. I don't like taking a break from it. I just do it. And maybe it's to offset some of that guilt, maybe, from imbibing a bit too much, you know. But um, share your thoughts on that with me. Use fake names if you want. Have you found yourself doing that in the last 18 months, have you? I know there are people who listen to this programme and they like a bit of cannabis. Fair enough, each to their own. And generally the cannabis smokers tend to stay away from the alcohol anyway. So have you found yourself smoking a bit more of the weed in the last 18 months? And does it, you know, zone you out from the reality of where they would like to take things? I think that's been it for me. The enormity of producing a programme for 18 months, speaking largely about one issue. Talking about that with with my better half recently. Marvelling at it. Marvelling at how's that worked, you know? How, how has it worked in the last 18 months? How have I managed that? Now listen, this isn't... Um, Sending myself flowers. No, no, no. I don't mean it from that point of view. I mean, how have I just not completely lost it? Covering the same issue. The COVID scam. The Great Reset. The coming mandating of jabs. Just constantly over and over again. I don't know. But I do know that I've taken solace in in the bottle and the gargle. That's what they call it in Dublin, in Bolyohoclea, in Dublin's fair city, the gargle. Solace, by solace, I mean at the end of the day when all is said and done, the programme is done, the podcast is up, the repeats are playing. Yeah, I'll have a beer, yeah, yeah. Why not? Or a Bacardi, why not? And it's not good, is it? Because ultimately it's where they want us. And There's a little thought going around in my mind. Most afternoons, dear listener, That's where they want you, Baldy. That's where they want you. They want you knackered at the end of the day. By you, I don't mean me, I mean you as well. They want you knackered. They want you fed up. They want you scared. That's why the news is full to the brim of stories about food shortages and energy prices going so sky high that you've got to buy in blankets and you've got to buy in hoodies and those big woolly socks that you can buy, that you can plug in to warm them up. They're, they're, it's all fear, 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 morning, noon and night. That isn't to say that those agendas are not real, that they do want to deprive us of the energy to heat our homes. I'm not saying th- those are not genuine agendas, but the constant fear, that state of agitation that most of us feel at some stage of the day or other, 
you'll hear something, you know. You might say, ah, Richie, don't even watch the news, Richie. Don't even listen to the radio. You don't. You might say, I don't, Richie. But you know, you can't help but notice it anyway. You say you don't, but you'll pass a television, you'll pass a radio, you'll glance at something online without meaning to, and it's inside your head again. You know, the fear, the threat of, uh, you know, forced jabs, vaccine passports, shortages of food, not having enough toys on the shelves at Christmas or turkeys or chickens or whatever. And then you're going to be, we're going to have to ration the natural gas this winter. All this shit is designed to get you into, into a place where you just can't put up with it anymore and you look for the exit door. And the exit door can come in the form of getting pissed. Ah, you know, I get pissed. I'll just drift away, you know, few beers. And that's exactly where they want us, don't they? Ultimately. And I'm not minded, or I'm not of a mind to give it to them, to continually give it to them. Uh, so, yeah, working on it. Your own thoughts on that would be appreciated. RichieAllen.co.uk. Comment live. Let me know your thoughts on it. Again, apologies for not having Catherine Horton. And apologies for the website problems this evening. There, there's such a huge volume of traffic, you know. Listen, we know each other too well now. Forget the false modesty. I don't have to pretend to be modest. I don't have to say I'm not being... I'm not being boastful, but I don't have to say that. The show is massive now. Christ, look at the emails coming in. It's a thousand emails a day coming into the programme now, at least with people who want to be on the show or who want to tell me a story. Hundreds of thousands listening live every day. And of course, because the podcasts are being tampered with, increasingly more people are listening live right now. So they come through the website. As they come through the website and engage... With me and you through the website, it causes the website to collapse. It's being worked on, I promise you. As uh, the great Dickie Attenborough said in Jurassic Park, spare no expense. We will spare no expense. Whatever it costs, we'll find the cash for it and we will do it. We will, we will spend it. Okay, that's what we'll do. 22 minutes, it is past the hour. Would you like to hear some lightning seeds? You don't have any choice. I'm rabbiting on and on and on. This is called Change. Your Richie Allen Show Monday's programme. Back with more chat in a minute. Lightning seeds and change on the Richie Allen Show Monday's programme. It's been a bit mad today, hasn't it? I see the website is back up again. Uh, Steve says to me, Richie, I took up home brewing again when I saw the war on alcohol here in Ireland during the lockdowns. Home brewing. Do you remember that old crap years ago? Everyone's father had a go at the home brewing with the big white tub of shite. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> and I just remember vividly in my own house, he, he, bought, um, he bought this home brewing kit with all of this powder and he had a big white kind of a tub. Yeah. And you had these little tubes, didn't you? And it all had to be done in the dark, I remember. Yeah. And then he had to go and buy a load of Guinness in bottles, pint bottles, stout bottles, to drink all of those so that he'd have empty bottles to put his own home brew into. And the home brew was just crap, wasn't it? 
wasn't it? I remember, listen, I, I wouldn't have tasted it, but I remember people coming around and not being too diplomatic now when asked, what do you think of that? It's shit, is what it is. That's generally what they said. So Steve has begun the old home brewing. He found himself drinking seven days a week at one point, but has managed to reel it in completely again uh, to a handful of beers a week. And he's now back in peak health, which is no mean feat considering I generally have around 100, 500 milliliter bottles of beer to hand at any given time. Like you though, says Steve, I'm not falling into the trap. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. There's a, a nice gentleman called Craig. I meet Craig from time to time in my local park. And he's begun the home brewing, but not by buying a kit. Not by doing it from the supermarket kits. He's actually got his own little microbrewery with the big with the big vat. Oh, yeah. And last year, he says to me, I met him in the park one morning and he says, hey, Richie, look what I've got for you. I've got my own stout. And I went, Jesus. It looked lovely in the bottle. So I took it home and drank it. It was absolutely gorgeous. Craig's own brew. Yes, yes, yes. Rude Boy Marcus says, Richie, drank too much, he says. The good news is that I have my first DJ booking. Best wishes, Rude Boy Marcus. Glad that you're back behind the decks, Marcus, mate. I really am glad to hear that, pal. And, uh... So long as they don't ask you to prove your COVID certification, you know. Tom Moore says, in my case, it's not television. Rather, people around me who swallowed it all unquestionably. Thank feck that at least my closest mem- family members are not blind. You're, you're not doing too bad, Tom, if your closest family members can see what's going on. Tom is in Slovakia. He says, here we've always been obeying whatever knob was in so-called power. You see, I am an anarchist only trying to follow God's law, but I'm not a saint, says Tom. Who is Tom? I'm certainly no saint either. William Henderson says, Richie, I think lockdown, or home imprisonment, has pushed us all into overindulgence. Mostly weed for me, says William, but the majority of others drink like Father Jack. So you are far from a lone brother. Now, I don't drink like Father Jack Hackett. Feck, arse, girls. I don't do that. I don't get comatose. I don't fall up the stairs in the evening. I've got a decent tolerance for the beer, you know. No, no, I'm just talking about having two or three or four, you know, and then going to bed like that, which is not the right thing to do. But I'm not talking about getting drunk. Jesus, no. I don't do that. I might have far too many at the weekend sometimes, but I don't go to bed drunk during the week. Jesus, no. Jesus, no. Surrounded by morons, says Richie, I have been dependent before lockdown. I had the choice before to get to myself right. It was hard, but I did it. Now there's no choice. This feels like enforced depression. And I'll be honest, I crave a spliff because it does help you drop out. If I wasn't so frightened of the hangover and being ill again, I would do it. Instead, I have a drink each night. It's just as bad. He goes on to say young people are addicted to social media. It isn't taken seriously because it is not taken seriously. Substances are criminalised. Social media is brainwashing. It feels like there's no way out. Will people one day twig twig it and will the penny drop that their lives are not coming back? Or will they simply move on and accept it like, uh, like, they, like they did after Thatcherism? 
Very good points and good questions. I don't have the answer to that. I certainly do worry about the generations coming behind us when it comes to social media addiction. I really do. Muzzy says, Richie, I am certainly hitting the Battenberg cake hard recently. My 96-year-old neighbour used to have a hot whiskey each night in the autumn, winter. It worked for him, so I am giving it a go. But I also do yoga, I walk and I swim. It's all a balance. Yes, how do you make a hot whiskey? You should know that, shouldn't you, dear listener? You need a couple of teaspoons of brown sugar. You need a whiskey, an Irish whiskey. You need some boiling hot water. And you need some cloves and some lemon. You put the cloves in the lemon and off you go. Now, I know there's going to be somebody come on to me and say, ah, that's wrong, Bowley. This is how you do it. Every household has its own hot whiskey recipe. You see, dear listener, if you haven't the foggiest idea to, to what I am referring, I'll tell you, it has been believed for generations in Ireland that if you've got the lurgy or the dreaded lurgy or a stinking cold, as Kenneth Williams once dubbed it in a carry-on movie, I can't remember which one, if you have a stinking cold, we in Ireland, well, we believe in a hot whiskey. Oh, yes. Yes, forget about Beecham's Lemsips. Forget about Robitussin. As Chris Rock, the great comic, once lampooned, forget Robitussin. No, no, have a hot whiskey. And Bob's your uncle. The old people knew stuff, didn't they? Didn't the old people know stuff? Years ago, when I was about nine or ten years old, I developed a massive swelling on one of my big toes. This is before anybody even heard of COVID toe. So it couldn't have been COVID, right? Massive swelling. And it seemed... If you're eating your dinner now, I apologise. The massive swelling, I was about nine years old, it seemed or appeared to be filled with a kind of a pus. A kind of a pus. And it was agony to the touch. Agony. I was screaming in pain. I was nine. And my old granny, my old nanny, we say nanny in Ireland. You say gran in the UK because you're a bit thick. And in America, you say grandma, don't you? That's twice now I've called you t- uh, thick here in the UK. I- I'm a big man behind me, microphone on my own, aren't I? I'm a big man. No, no, you're not thick. We say nanny. So she looked at it. She was minding us. She was minding us for a weekend, was my, was my grandmother. And she was a really good sport, my grandmother. So it was my brother, my sister and myself. She was minding us. My parents had gone on some holiday in the sun. So she was with us anyway. And she was a great sport. She went to the local video shop, VHS, God Be With The Days. And she rented all the Star Wars films, or the ones you could rent. This might have even been before Return of the Jedi was on VHS. But anyway, she rented all these films. And I was in agony with this thing. And some of our older listeners now will know what I'm talking about. She made a poultice out of bread and boiling hot milk. A poultice. Yeah. There was no need to call the doctor. There was no driving at 75 miles an hour to casualty. No, no. She made a poultice and stuck it on me big toe, which drew out all the poison. And before you knew it, I was back up on my feet again, drying my eyes. The old people, the old people. We need to spend a bit more time, don't we, listening to the to the old people. Something which I used to say a lot on my evening radio shows many years ago. 
you know, our Muslim friends. Now, Muslims are not a race, no more than the Jews are. But I think Jews and Muslims have one thing in common, which we've forgotten, I think. And by we, I mean people in, in Western Europe. We don't take such good care of our older people. We, there are times when your senior relatives or your very old mum and dad, there are times when they have needs that you really can't cater for. I understand that. So don't be offended now. I know there are times when they need to be cared for in a care facility. But I think in this part of the world, we're a bit quick, I think, to move mum, dad or gran or granddad into a care home. When, when maybe we needn't do that. And years ago, it wasn't done years ago. It's a recent phenomenon, isn't it? Isn't it a recent phenomenon? I remember my father's mother and father. They, they never went into a care home. They lived with the family. With, with, with one of the children until they shuffled off the old mortal coil. And it was to the absolute enrichment of the children. I have no doubt about that. I remember when I first came to Manchester when I had hair. Oh, I had lovely hair, me. I had a Steven Seagal ponytail at one stage. It was gorgeous. So did Mark Boyersky, by the way. Mark Boyersky. Shame, shame. I know your name. He had a Steven Seagal ponytail too. Nothing funny about it, right? I think his was better than mine, to be honest. Anyway, so... I went I, I went on U Tree Road in Manchester. There was a Libyan barber called Salah and he was lovely. And we used to talk about everything. Some of the things I talk about with you now, but way back, right? We 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 would have a chat. And he said to me that he'd been in his father was a was an enemy of Gaddafi, of Colonel Gaddafi. Salah didn't like Gaddafi, but he didn't say too much about him. Fair enough. Didn't matter. No point in me arguing with him. Right, no point. What was the point, right? So anyway, he was there and uh, he was loving it in Manchester. He learned the language, fluent in English, lovely guy, good lad. And he, he did his prayers five times a day. Sometimes he would go to try and get your hair cut and the door would be closed. There would be a sign and you knew that he was praying on his prayer mat. So you just wait for him, then you go in and have a chat. And he said, Richie, one of the things he said that... I find a little bit um, strange about people in this country, he says, is, is that there's so many older people sent to care homes and he didn't like it. Now, he wasn't overly critical. He wasn't saying, oh, the Muslims, oh, we're better than you. There was none of that. He just said, in our culture, he said, we really value the lived experience of the old generation, our grandparents. Our grandparents are patriarchs and matriarchs. They're like, it's almost like Native Americans, you know. They're the chiefs. And we ask them questions, we speak to them, we go to them with our problems and we keep them with us as long as we want. And then he said, because he said, in Islam, it is believed when you come into the world, you are basically helpless and vulnerable and anything can happen to you. And your parents take care of you. And your grandparents take care of you. And he said, we, we, we can't, we don't 
like the idea then that when granny, granddad, or older mum and dad are not in a position to look after themselves, that you would then move them into a home. Of course, I argued with them. Of course I did. I said, Sarah, come on, there are times when you are not equipped to deal with the needs. And he said, yes, Richie, but I'm not talking about when the parent isn't compass mentis or when they've got severe illness. I'm talking about when they're still in relatively good health. Maybe they don't want to be moved into a home. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. It's exactly 19 minutes to the top of the hour. What I'm doing now is filling. It's known as filling in the trade, but it's not really. I'm I'm having a chat. I'm musing on these things. Where do you speak to Catherine Horton? No sign or sound from Catherine as to why she's not been on the programme. So I just have to assume something has gone wrong, her end. But uh, Dr. Judge Rui Castro, would you believe what I've been rabbiting on, has just sent me a Skype to say that he'd like to come on the programme at some stage this week. Uh, he left us down last week, but apparently he had a pretty good re- Well, you never have a good reason for not telling somebody. This is a real bugbear with me. We can all be detained. We can all be detained, right? We can be. It's happened to all of us. But we've all got phones now. If I'm going to be on somebody's radio programme and I'm not going to make it, I tell them that I'm not going to make it before they're left in the lurch. Now, I don't mind being left in the lurch because, well, I'm a superstar DJ. I can just talk forever. Dead air doesn't scare me, dear listener. I'm a world champion when it comes to filling. But still a little bit of courtesy. But anyway, we'll get the guy on at some stage. He's that judge, isn't he? And he's going after the Portuguese authorities over the illegal decision to lock the country down and to tell people to go home and not to work. Karen Williams says, horsey people still use bread poultices on horse injuries like abscesses on the hoof. Do they, Karen? And John Parsons who's from Mayo originally. Mayo. Yes, there is a place called Mayo. It's in the west of Ireland. He says, ah, the old bread poultice, it brings back fond memories of deep cuts from the hay knife. Spoken like a true farmer's son brought up on a farm in Mayo, having to get up at five o'clock in the morning to do stuff. Absolutely right. Bread poultices. Jean Anne's been in touch. Speaking of the West or the West of Ireland, absolutely bang on. I remember poultices, she says. Though she didn't mention horses there. Jean-Anne says, both of my grannies lived with us at home. Not at the same time. My father's mother was first, but the mammy minded both till the very end. And it wasn't all that unusual, as you've pointed out. No, it wasn't. It was the done thing. My father's family were from Moonkine and Kilkenny. And they, he was the youngest of about 14 children. So those grandparents were very old. My, his father died before I was born. And his mother died when I was nine or ten. Very complicated. I won't get into it when I say his, rather than when I say my father's. Very, very complicated. But anyway, yes, they didn't go into a home. They went and stayed with his brother. And that was good. It's a good thing. But I'm also a reasonable person, dear listener. It can't be easy for a woman who gets married to a man. A woman 
gets married to a man, right? Right. And they're looking at, they're in their 20s, say, and they're looking at, you know, the great years, you know, the early years of the great years, lots of bonking years, loads of bonking, lashings of bonking, right? And childbearing. And you have to think, you know, it couldn't have been easy for the likes of Jean Anne's mother. Because I'm sure there were some conflicts in these houses. There must have been. Because there you have the father, there you have the husband, and he's living with his wife and his mother. There's got to have been some competition between the mother and the wife when it comes to the cooking, when it comes to the cleaning. You've got to have criticism coming from the mother about the wife's way of doing things and vice versa. Can't be easy, that. In fact, now that I remember, my so-called father, it's very complicated, and my mother were to inherit his father's house because he was the youngest. And they didn't take it on because his mammy came with the house. That's a fact, if I remember, because my mother couldn't put up with it. Not that she didn't like the woman, but she couldn't put up with living with her. The house came with a caveat, and the caveat was, you, you've got to take granny, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Granny comes with the domicile. It's in the deed. Got to take granny on board. So I don't know. You know, it's easy for me to 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 to, to preach, I suppose, about that. I, I, I might have to put my money where my mouth is in the near future because Caroline's mum and dad are alive and well. Daniel and Monique in France. And I might have egg all over my face, dear listener. Stuck with a couple of elderly frogs. A couple of elderly frogs. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. I'll be crying. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. Wooly Bully. Sam the Sham and Wooly Bully on the Richie Allen Radio Show. 13 and a half minutes to 7 o'clock. The BBG, not the BBC. Richie Allen with you till 7. That's me. God only made one of us. That's Sam the Sham. Yeah, I think I said that already, didn't I? Yes, head spinning here. Head spinning. Sven was on to say, Richie, when I was young, when suffering from conjunctivitis, my nan would pull my eye from its socket, dip it in pink gin, and pop it back. Right as rain, so it was. Right as rain. <laughs> Very good, Sven. Very good. Very good. Ah, be jeepers. Hi to the bod, who says, Why do you think they're trying to kill the old people, Richie? They don't want knowledge passed down. God gave us all the plants on earth to use. Pharma is evil. They just don't want you to know this. Thanks very much, uh, the bod. Is that you, Joe? Uh, Damien Joseph says, Richie, did you hear about the ex-Irish football player who died after his COVID jab in Waterford? Yes, I did. I did mention it when I came back from, from my Holliers, but I didn't get into it because the family, I think, were fairly offended by some of the claims being made online by people who didn't know the family. So I basically said uh, that I wouldn't really get into it. What, what, what can you do, you know? You know, as far as I understood or as far as I understand, the family didn't accept or some of the family didn't accept that his sudden death was related to the jab. Now, don't shout at me. Obviously, it's very suspicious when a young man gets a jab 
for anything and then becomes very, very ill very suddenly and passes away. So listen, uh, you know, but I'm from Waterford and I have a lot of listeners there. And, uh, you know, I just left that one alone, to be honest. I left that one alone and uh, that's the way it is. That isn't uh, censoring. I just left it alone. I gave it a mention. I think it was mentioned in most of the tabloid newspapers, not not only in, in Ireland, but also here in the UK as well. John came back on to say that he was telling his son this morning about laying out his much, much loved grandmother in the sitting room and all the neighbours coming in to bid her farewell. The wake. When my moon coin, County Kilkenny grandmother died, she was waked. Uh, do you know what a wake is? If you're listening in certain parts of the world that maybe doesn't have the custom because the wake isn't unique to Ireland. Some Irish people think that a wake is very uniquely Irish. It isn't. It isn't. People have been sitting with the departed and chatting with the departed and saying prayers over the departed. Many cultures, it's not uniquely Irish, but I I was exposed to it and I'll be honest, it didn't do me any harm at all. There was no trauma in it. No trauma at all. Somebody asked me, when, when we lived in Spain, I was asked by either a fellow radio presenter or just by somebody I knew, asked me, was it traumatic for children to, to be exposed to the culture of the wake? And I could only speak from my own experience. And my own experience of it was that it was very peaceful and very, I don't know, very, this is where my vocabulary sometimes fails me. I would use the word peaceful. Serene is another word. I think therapeutic might be another word. I could understand why somebody was waked. I think it it might go some way to helping people understand that the person, you know, really has gone. That, that, that they have left. It might help with the grieving process. And it was a very nice thing to hear people sitting around telling stories about the, the, the lady. In question, my my grandmother, stories of, you know, her her um, formative years, what she did, where she went, how she met her husband, the the things that happened to her. It was very very um, therapeutic, I suppose, for many people there. And songs were sung, and naturally enough, unsurprisingly, there was quite a lot of imbibing going on. <laughs> you can't have a wake without the gargle. The two are mutually exclusive. You've got to have the booze with the wake, you know. Um, Dougal came on to say, and it's not Father Dougal Maguire, it's Dougal. He says, Richie, you're not alone. My parents would always rely on the bread poultice and we aren't even Irish. I think the remedy was stolen from us in the north of England when we sent out the missionaries. (laughs) That could be true too. That could be true too. Emma comes on, came back on to say, I have so much respect for Islam, says Emma. Um, Thank you, Emma. I have respect for people that have respect for other people. That's about it for me. You know, I respect your right to believe whatever it is you believe. So long as you respect that my opinions may differ to yours on some, not all topics, we can get on. I, I, I see Hayden Hewitt and... And, and and me, I see our relationship as kind of an example. 
There's so many things wrong with me. I've got so many character flaws. I'm such an arsehole. I'm well aware of it, right? But I've got some good things going for me as well. One of them is, is that I am impervious to my argument being taken apart by somebody else in the course of making their argument. I love it. The arguments I've had over the years with Hayden about geoengineering, about chemtrails, and him telling me he doesn't believe it's happening and explaining why, and us going at it hammer and tongs, and then having a, a beer, maybe. But then him going out of his way to platform the argument that he doesn't agree with. It's a wonderful thing, that. It really is. We talked earlier on about the generations coming behind us. That is lost to them as a concept. The concept that you don't have to win. That your opinion isn't gospel. And that by having your opinion taken apart, it isn't some personal slight or some serious personal attack on you. It isn't. It's just that he doesn't, disagree. He doesn't agree with you. But he happens to like you. He just disagrees. My Jewish pals in the north of Manchester, my accountant friends, they're wonderful like that. Some of them, not all of them, in the office there... Rich, I don't agree with you about Israel. I, don't, I, I, I see the Israel situation as... I see it entirely differently. Well, fair enough. But uh, I think you're brilliant, Richie, on the radio. Really enjoy it. And will, you know, do anything to help it stay on air. Wonderful. That's how it used to be. God, it's how it used to be. God, it's how it used to be. I remember finishing up my radio show when I was producing talk radio in a very, very, very successful and vibrant radio station. We would come off air. And there were other radio presenters in the newsroom and news presenters who totally disagreed with something we would have said or something we would have done on air. And they would have got stuck right in. And nobody, nobody was offended. Didn't matter what. I remember one time, I'm going to leave you on a bombshell. And I can't name the person who said this. Because this person is still a commercial radio presenter. And there was uproar in the newsroom. This is in the year 2000, right? So the Olympics was on. Meaning the Paralympics was on. Now you know the Paralympics. You know what the Paralympics is, don't you? It's um, people with varying disabilities. Athletes with varying disabilities competing in athletic events. And we had a radio presenter. You could say these things back then, not to hurt somebody, but because you meant them. We had a radio presenter who said that he or she found it outrageous that the Paralympics was on television constantly after the Olympics. And he or she said that it was ridiculous. I don't want to be watching people racing each other in wheelchairs. I don't want to be watching people, you know, throwing basketballs, people in wheelchairs. I don't want to be see, to see a guy with, with prosthetic legs running the, the marathon. Well, there was uproar in the radio station. And there was a big argument about it. And some of us were saying, you know, the Paralympics is very important. Lots of people end up with disabilities, whether they're born with them or whether they, you know become disabled because of 
an accident or unfortunate circumstances. And far more people have disabilities than you are aware of. The Paralympics is very important, especially for youngsters with disabilities. It's also very important in promoting the rights of disabled people to work, but also to be able to get around. Anyway, it's a big, massive argument. But I remember thinking recently, what the radio presenter said, and he or she meant it, they didn't hate disabled people. They just thought that the whole idea of televising, televising the Paralympics, they thought it was virtue signalling, and that it was ridiculous this person thought that. That person would be fired for saying that today, in 2021. There wouldn't be any argument or debate about it. We, w- we wouldn't butt heads on it. We wouldn't go around the room with people having a proper go, intellectually. No, that person would be fired now for hate speech in 2021. And that's only, what, 2000? That's 21 years ago. 21 years ago. Things have changed, haven't they? That's it for me. No more waffling from me. Thanks for listening to me, by the way, and staying with me. Back tomorrow with guests, I promise you. Until then, bye.